Hello, Denim Heads, and welcome to the 25th Hangout with the Sons of Selvage podcast. You heard that right. This is episode number 25. I guess that's kind of special for someone. Someone. <laughs> this is a podcast where a group of friends get together to talk about denim, boots, rugged wear, and related interests. We aim for this to be a fun and inclusive podcast where you feel like you're hanging out with longtime friends, but be warned, there's a bit of banter, cutting up, and explicit language. Uh, in this episode, we'll be discussing the... Source of truth for jean leg cuts. What's loose fit? What's regular fit? What's slim fit? I think that's the best way to describe it. Uh, also, we'll do a bit of Q&A and some current interests. And to kick things off, uh, I'm David. And I'm currently wearing some Freenote uh, Wilkes jeans and 17 ounce black selvage. It's their Western fit. It's great. Uh, I'm wearing a RGT uh, work shirt and a SNS Herning uh, Stark cardigan, which, in my opinion, is the best damn wool jumper on the planet. Nice. Yes. Love it. Um, I'm Ilya, uh, and today I'm wearing um, Twerd MFG Dockers jeans um, and a newly released uh black or slain uh atelier's chambray shirt uh which hasn't hit the shelves just yet but it will be by the time the podcast comes out um yeah it's got a little um acorn shaped pocket which is really hard to see because it's uh self-stitched mm. uh tonal stitching so um yeah watch watch out for that one i think and that matches one of the jeans right like one of the jeans has that pocket yeah, so the uh, SE1s and the E14s um, have a similar pocket shape, so it's uh, it's inspired by that. And as far as I know, this shirt design has been around for a little while, but never saw the light of day. Um, so it's uh, it's finally um, coming out. Was it designed for acorn farmers originally? I think so. Yeah, they were collecting uh, acorns in their pockets. Yeah, but we've only put one, so it's uh, you have to um, swap around quite quite often. Hello, yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know why I was like confused there. Because um, it R becomes go, comes before T, that's why. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's like you should like last. Ricky, right. you have literally messed this all up. Um, no, that was Ilya's job. Ilya did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so ooh, what am I going to say? I've got some very nice anonymousism mixed wool socks um, to keep, keep the toes cold because it's gotten really cold out there. I hate it. Um, I've got a band t-shirt for a hardcore band called 88 fingers louis um who are from chicago uh, really cool band saw them in camden underworld it's very good gig oh, it was on tuesday though really weird day to have a gig <laughs> um and then the jeans i'm wearing <laughs> are my own united overalls ed2 cinch back jeans do you like that i felt like we had a little jingle there <laughs> Uh, but yeah, my, my new jeans, cinch back, suspender buttons. They're lovely. And very have they have they officially dropped? I am typing the email <laughs> as we type. Because the reason why they were delayed, which is we'll go into in the email. On my riveting machine, there's little attachments that kind of screw in. Um, one actually pushes the washer onto the rivet, and then the other one kind of sets it, pushes it down a little bit more. It 
prints a little dimple in the top to kind of push the top out a little bit, kind of like a mushroom, um, to make sure that you know that wash doesn't pop out. I lost the first bit, <laughs> which is not very helpful, and had to order a new one from Japan. So yeah, that's the reason why they were delayed. Right, I'm Rick. Um, I'm assuming that Tom finished, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, you, you'll know when I finish. Because <laughs> it went quiet. Oh, you guys. Leave that in, David. Leave that. that. Yeah, yeah, I'll leave that in. Leave that in. Yeah. It's, it's tame enough. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I'm wearing uh, just a, a flannel from uh, This Is Warehouse. And I'm wearing the um, E14s that uh, William mentioned before. If you want to see the the pocket. Do you have acorns in them? I'm going to show you. There you go. Do you like that acorn pocket? Is that okay? Well, for those who can't see, see, I'll describe Ricky's ass. Uh, yeah. Juicy. Jeans are good too. <laughs> From the side, it actually looks more like a bell end, but that's a different. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are cool jeans. I'm kidding. <laughs> I quite Fair. like. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running out of breath just there. Tiring work, this model in Lark. Yeah. No, these are really cool. No, these are great. These are these are really really comfy jeans. They're um, yeah, just has. Warm uh, soak last week or so. Damn, they're good to go. Yeah. Really nice, super comfy. Was the was the soak in the bath or was it uh, something self-inflicted? No, 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 bath, bath. <laughs> soak was warm soak, <laughs> uh, and then yeah, and then when um. I think I put them in the wash to, as well, and in, in, in the washing machine, uh, because after soaking them, I realized it would take forever to dry them because uh, it's really cold. And yeah, in the in here in the in the apartment, there's no, no good um, way to. So you dry you, you, you didn't do the old put them on and uh, get in the bath and. Uh, no. So wash them on was, yourself. No, I put them in the in the washing machine and then. I dried them there, and yeah, so I did all the things people shouldn't do. <laughs> what they say people shouldn't do. Uh, yeah, and so after I dried, um, so that they were kind of like damp when they came out, and then I put them on, then they were fine. And then, yeah, they were good to go next day. Ooh, I can see this right <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? What have you done? No, it's fine. I still got you beat. My 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 score my tally is two different leather ruined uh, leather patches ruined on pairs of jeans. So until you achieve at least that many uh, deaths of lovely leather patches on your jeans, you haven't done that much bad. Damaged leather patches. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I had a pair of Iron Hearts. They were actually the Rivet and Hide Iron Heart triple six collaboration gene like the very first Ironheart collab Rivet and I did and I won them in a contest and I I basically was like drying them after their initial soak right next to my um radiator because I, I figured mm -hmm. why not and uh it kind of like shrunk up and cracked the patch in a bunch of places such that like the imprint of the patch is no longer visible 
Um, and then also had a pair of 316 uh, unsan jeans, their Kabata jeans. And I basically just logistically like my bath water didn't get hot enough, blah, blah, blah. So like, I'll just use the kettle. So I put kettle water in my bucket. Uh, and I didn't think about the fact that like leather patches are skin and therefore boiling water will burn the skin and like the patch shrunk up to like half the size of its original and I had to like cut it off and resew a new one on. I got a cool like almost like a watermark on mine. But yeah, it didn't shrink. Plus the patches the leather patch is really thick. Yeah. Ilya's got one the size of his head. His background. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that, that's how yeah, really big they are. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It's, it's an accurate uh, <laughs> size <laughs> representation. Just they now. are pretty chunky. They are pretty chunky. <laughs> Should we uh, jump into some current interest? <laughs> Let's do it. Cool, cool, cool. All right. I guess I can kick things off. Um, so I discovered a podcast recently called uh, Into America. It's um, I guess part of MSNBC, which is like an American news channel. Um, and the host is uh, a gent named Trymaine Lee. Um, super, super cool. It's basically all about um, being black in America. So historical context, current day context, you know, political events, cultural events, uh, just a bunch of different things about what it means to be black in America. And recently he did a series called uh, Street Disciples which is all kind of about the the history of hip hop. And it, um, I think it's like a five part mini series. And he kind of uh, starts with, you know, the origins of hip hop with, um, you know, like uh, uh, Melly Mel and, you know, all the original kind of, uh, you know, Grandmaster Flash, like different DJs and rappers and stuff in New York in the eighties and, and, and actually the late seventies and eighties all the way to kind of current day and he kind of talks on some like really interesting touchstones in hip-hop history like you know kind of um lauren hill being the voice for for black women and kind of like sense checking all of the like booty rap that was kind of becoming popular before that you know master p becoming kind of a rap mogul and building a, a business empire um Nas and kind of the, the sort of like the street street knowledge street intelligence kind of style of rap in the in the early 90s um you know run dmc kind of shaping hip-hop fashion so he sort of kind of covers all the different aspects of, of the, the history but he also goes into some really interesting stuff around like you know the crack cocaine uh, epidemic in america even some things i hadn't understood around um you know joe biden our president having um put forth a lot of the legislation that led to the uh, zero tolerance incarceration of uh, largely black youths in America in, in the late 80s, where basically, you know, if you had anything whatsoever that's that's um, illegal, you got like maximum sentence. And it's crazy to hear that Biden, you know, who I, I'm a, I voted for, uh, endorsed that and, and was a proponent of it. So it's kind of like a big, big kind of sense check for myself of like, wow, you know, even who you think you support, might not be <laughs> all that great and you know yeah he's done some bad things biden <laughs> yeah well it's like i'm like it's like i'm a democrat so like i'm like I, I support him in that regard but it's like you know it's, it's a reminder that nothing's cut and dry and you know no one's um no one in politics is scot-free but anyways i just thought it was 
a really great listen also because um, Tremaine, I believe, grew up in New York when this was all happening. And like his brother even like put out a record and you know, he was kind of like right in the middle of the um, development of hip hop culture and has some kind of you know, anecdotes and stories from like being there from day one. So uh, highly recommend folks uh, giving that a listen. That sounds really good. Yeah, I'll definitely it's it's on my uh, on my list of um, podcasts to listen to. So I'll be uh, I'll be on that. Um, have you seen the uh, the Get Down series on Netflix, uh, which um, kind of goes over that period in hip hop um, in the early '80s in New York? Um, I think Nas was an executive producer on that show as well. Mm. Um, um, yeah, so if if you're kind of, uh, it sounds like a, vis- a visual representation of, of what kind of goes over. Um, I really kind of back to the early days of um, of how the scene was and how it started and um, how separate each um, each part of hip hop was at the time. So. Um, yeah, I think I think you probably enjoy it, David. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Um, I read a book. Actually, I took a class back in uh, in high school. Sorry, not high school, a college. Um, around uh, is a sociology class around hip hop and sociology and kind of the how the music specifically can describe so many aspects of sociology. Um, and there was a book we read called Yes, Yes, Y'all: uh, Oral History of Hip Hop's First Decade. Um, oh yeah. By a few different authors and like that that book was pretty pretty profound because the whole the whole narrative of hip-hop history was all turned uh, told through interviews um and you know oral histories with people who were there and kind of what they experienced living through it um that's, that was really cool because it, it felt very genuine in the same way that i guess like you know a tv show or a, a podcast interviewing uh people would be so i'll definitely have to check that show out on netflix who, who was the author of that book I, i'm pretty sure i have I have that book somewhere around, and if I remember correctly, it came with a CD as well, um, like a mixtape, which was done, which was done by I think like one of the Quantum uh, DJs. Quite possibly, it's uh, Jim Frick, Charlie Ahern, and Nelson George. Um, I mean, gosh, I had this back in uni, so that was like almost twenty years ago. Yeah. So I don't yeah, quite yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. but um, it's kind of like a big textbook size book. And I think, yeah, it might have yeah. had a CD in it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I had the same book. Yeah, yeah but he's got like Afro Grandmaster Flash, Cool Hurt, Melly Mel, Grand Wizard Theodore, Grandmaster Kaz, Fab Five Freddy, you know, all these different um, interviews. And so I think, I think yeah, it might have it had a CD of their tracks on it. I can't remember. Yeah, I think I think I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Um, yeah. Um, moving on to me, what have I been to? I've I've recently um, one of my colleagues at Black Horse Lane lent me uh, the King of Vintage um, book um, by Larry McCahan, which we discussed recently as well, um, which features some amazing uh, vintage pieces, um, and it has a um, Bit of a description for each cat, uh, category by uh, Rin uh, Tanaka. Um, so I, I, I posted recently in my stories um, some of the images, um, like leather jackets and um, um, some other some other pieces, which really uh, were quite striking. Um, 
and on the vintage tip um about a week ago um there was a, a launch of the vintage showroom um in london um which um roy and doug recently i think uh, have opened a new space um in london um which i think they might be moving over to full time at some point um but it was really nice to go inside and see um, a lot of the kind of vintage pieces you normally see just in in, in books or magazines like um, you know the, the King of Vintage ones. Um, so yeah, that that was that was really eye opening. And um, I think the way they run their businesses, they rent these uh, these items out um, to brands and to you know designers um for inspiration and, and and things like that so yeah it was it was it was nice to see kind of behind the scenes of uh, of this and then i never had the uh, the privilege of seeing the the, the last uh um showroom which they've had for a, a number of years um although i visited the their shop in coffin garden numerous times when it was still open so yeah it was uh it was good to uh, to connect and, uh, and and to see that I hadn't realized that there was an intermediary. I figured they would had kind of like stopped trading or something since they closed the Covent Garden store. Yeah, I th I um I think they've always had a, a showroom um when oh, okay. they had the shop at the same time. So I think they were running those side by side. Um and at some point when the um the shop closed, um yeah, I think they just I guess they had enough business to, you know, to warrant it, not to worry about having a shop in uh, in, in Covent Garden anymore. Um, and yeah, I don't know whether they're going to reopen the shop at any point in in, in time. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely one of the uh, the highlights in 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 London on on the vintage scene. Um, so yeah, had a very funny experience with the vintage showroom years ago. So they came and did a photo shoot for their Warren magazine at Black Horse Lane. Mm. Um, uh, and there's there's one issue. I forgot which volume it is, but like it's got a bunch of photos of Han wearing like the 17 chore coat and all that good stuff. And I was so stoked. So I like popped on my my cowboy boots uh, and my my best worn jeans and like my best worn uh, um, Western shirt. And like I was there for the photo shoot and like did a bunch of photos and like zero made the magazine <laughs> i remember being so excited when it got delivered and like not in one single picture and i was it was like soul destroying to be like no i tried so hard and uh, i'm not it's wearing because vintage. you were wearing all is that because you were wearing like 316 and uh rogue territory i think it was that that none of it was cool. actually yeah. vintage <laughs> yeah but, but they're worn magazine i'm not sure if it's like specifically vintage only versus just being stuff that's worn and if it is the latter, then it was stuff that was well worn. But but yeah, it wasn't. No, it was vintage. It's, it, it's from what I understand, it's kind of it's usually both. It's like vintage, which has been worn quite extensively. Um, they're probably yeah. They're just I think they're a lot more interested in the kind of more heritage um, side of things, and um, rather than the uh, the newer brands. But um, yeah. I can I can only I can only imagine that that's what it was, but uh, I'm I'm sure they would have their own uh, reasoning. <laughs> yeah, I just I just chalked it up to the fact that like I wasn't wearing Black Horse and like I wasn't the owner of the business, so therefore, 
you know, it's like just a random punter. <laughs> but, uh, but it is funny. Ricky? Shall I go? Yeah. Cool. Um, not so much, much um, current interest, but more of what I've been up to lately. Um, I've been accused of being going to too many gigs by friends of mine because they've been seeing my posts on Instagram. And um, yeah, so one of those gigs, I had uh, the pleasure to go with David. We went to see a band who used to be called Viet Cong, but now is uh, called, um, oh, blank. What is it, David? Uh, Preoccupations. Preoccupations, yeah, sorry. Uh, really, really, really great gig. We saw them at the Scala. It was packed, full house. And it was funny to see, like, at first people, it was kind of like, it felt like people were managing expectations, but then by the end of the gig, everyone was jumping around and stuff. So it was really, really fun to, um, to see that, see those guys play. Um, but yeah, um, what else? I've seen, oh, great interview by, um, Rick Beato. uh, um with pete jarrett <clears throat> so anyone who's uh vaguely familiar with pete jarrett he's probably one of the like piano gods if if, if you can say that in uh in jazz uh unfortunately um he suffered a stroke not too long ago which incapacitated him from playing again so he pretty much only has mobility in his right hand uh but yeah uh long story short go see that interview because it's absolutely amazing it's a bit on the geeky side because rick beato um for people who might be interested is uh an ex-music producer and but he pretty much makes his life now solely on youtube and giving like music courses and interviewing people uh in the music scene and stuff like that so he's really really good at, at what he does and you can see the passion of his interviews coming across like as a fan like he fanboys a lot with with, with the musicians that he interviews so it's really cool to see that um what else uh oh i went to see uh, with uh gilad we went to see gajira the other day just uh french metal band um which was great gig as well alexander uh, where was it alexander palace um packed house yeah, that crazy. Must be intense. Yeah, yeah it's crazy like i think there was around like nine thousand people there and and alexander palace is a massive venue it was my first time and i was not expecting it to be that big and it was really really cool to see that many people just watching this band that I saw like years ago, uh, like four or five years ago, uh, they were at the Brixton Academy. Yeah, I saw them at Brixton Academy. And then, you know, three years, four, fast forward four years, <laughs> they're selling out pretty much Alexander Palace, which is triple the capacity, pretty much. Um, but yeah, it was really cool, really intense gig as well. Um, what else? Oh, just uh, last week, last weekend, I got the the mass. I massively geeked out on one of my favorite um, artists out there, Duke Garwood. 
Um, he is a guitar player. He's London-based. Uh, well, he's English, um, but he's known for playing uh, with one of my favorite artists, Mark Lanigan, and he put out two albums with him as well. People should go definitely check that those two albums out, um, especially Black Puddin'. Um, really, really good. Uh, yeah, and so he's touring his latest album, which is uh, Rogue's Gospel. Also pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and yeah, lately that was that was it. There's a lot of going out to watch gigs. Fortunately, they've been all really, really good. It feels like the year of the concert this year, maybe like post-pandemic or something. It feels like everyone's yeah. touring and like everything's yeah. happening in music. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, people, people, I, it feels like <clears throat> agents are just putting, you know, the ga- the gigs in line and, and they're, everyone's just touring at the moment. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, same for me. I had a gig on Saturday, um, seeing a band called Mum Jeans. They're like Midwest emo, sad boys. Uh, but that was a pretty good gig. Um, always run into people I know that, at gigs as well, get a tap on the shoulder. I'm like, oh, shit, that's you. Um, and then I've got a band called The Hold Steady, which are very kind of just classic rock, Springsteen-y, but from Brooklyn. That's uh, probably the worst Brooklyn accent ever. Um, so them next next Tuesday or Wednesday at Rough Trade East, which would be a good one. Um, get to sign a record as well, but I just bought CD because I don't have a record player. Um, so that'd be fun. Then I've got one in June, a band called No Trigger. Again, an old hardcore punk band. Um, I'm sure that's another one I'm forgetting. Um, but yeah, gig, gigs all around. It's just it never end. So, so good. So poor. <laughs> I have to see them. <clears throat> All I'm waiting for is Street Art Manifesto, who are my favourite ska punk band. They're like releasing a new album soon. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, they'll do a dedicated gig. So only ever come to um, festivals and I don't want to go to a whole festival. Uh, so, yeah, it's it really is the year for gigs. David and I have got uh, Souls, of Mischief, Souls of Mischief coming up, haven't we? Mischief. <laughs> Mischief, yes. Um, yeah, 93 till infinity. That's going to be awesome. Um, such an amazing historical hip-hop moment. Hieroglyphics, Souls of Mischief, that whole scene in the Bay Area. I can't wait. I've never, I've never seen them, but I've listened to their stuff and like Dell, the funky homo sapien for so long. So I'm really I'm really stoked for that. Where are they playing? Uh, Jazz Cafe. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it'd be good. It, they had to do like four or five different nights because they kept they like they do a night it sell out put another one up sell out another one up sell out and they just kept like boom 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 selling out uh, over and over there's so much demand if if you fancy joining Ricky just uh, hopefully they still have tickets for the night Ooh, uh, I'm tempted when when is this thirteenth um, thirteenth checks his agenda. For what it's worth, I actually phoned up uh, the Corn Exchange, which is a, a venue here in Cambridge yesterday, because uh, Suede's playing here next week. And I was like, that's one of those like great British kind of post-punk rock bands that I've like never seen before. And I phoned up, I was like, I was like, hey, do you guys happen to have any tickets that like people have returned? They're like, yeah, we do, of course. So I was able to like buy a ticket like a week before the show for Suede, which has been sold out for months. 
And so definitely the like the phone, the venue trick I found works so often to get uh, tickets to sold out gigs. Nice life hack there. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm <laughs> la laughing about something on Reddit related to life hacks, but I'm not going to go into that because it's not, not relevant. Um, cool. So I guess I'll, I'll do a quick second one. Uh, so I signed up with a couple of buddies of mine that live in Colorado, pretty much my two best buddies growing up to, to, wike the, to, wike, to hike the West Highland Way um, this spring, which is like 80 some odd miles from uh, Milngay which I think is a town north of Glasgow, all the way up to Fort William, through and going through like where James Bond, Skyfall, and like all that kind of stuff took place. Um, and the reason why I brought it up is uh, I bought some Danner Mountain Lights a year and a half ago, two years ago, maybe. Sometime during the pandemic, I was like, I needed new hiking boots because mine didn't fit anymore. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to splurge and get me some proper Danners. Um, and I love them. They're, they're so great. They've broken in amazing. Like, you know, they've got a lot of wear, but I, I've got the damnedest thing that I still can't figure out. And that's that like, there's like a seam right here where the two faces of the leather are sewn together and like a year and a half in, and these bastards still give me like really horrible blisters on my Achilles. And like, I'm literally like sitting here while we're on the phone, kind of like trying to, to work the leather in. I've put some, uh, I've put some like mink oil from Red Wing on it. I've tried uh, flaxseed oil from um, who are the dudes in Portland that do the all vegan products? Uh, Otter Wax. Um, and man, I just I just can't get this damn part to break in. It's like I really need these <laughs> this spring to do the hike. Otherwise, you I got tried vodka. No, no, I haven't. Is that is that actually a thing? Yeah, you, you you drink the vodka before you put them on, and no, no pain felt. <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously, uh, a bit of vodka into the leather should uh, break. But it sounds like you've tried quite a few different uh, things already. Um, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. My next step is to like get them back on when my legs healed up, because like it's right now I've got a plaster on from last weekend. And, and try and give that a shot. But because uh, I walked like 12K in them, and like after 12K, I was like, I, got, I had a blister. And it's like I'm be walking like 20, 25K per day. Wow. Yeah. That's not, um, that's probably not the boot you want to take. Yeah. Well, I'm probably going to have to buy, basically buy some like Gore Tex uh, sneakers or something instead, like hike, like, like trail running shoes, um, yeah. which I, I've got Lone Peak Ultra trail running shoes, which are amazing. Sorry, Ultra Lone Peak, but they're not Gore Tex. So I may just have to like, buy a pair of Gore-Tex ones but um yeah it's a shame because these are like the most amazing comfortable hiking boots I've ever owned like the construction's amazing the I mean they're incredible but it's like I can't use them for their primary purpose <laughs> do you have blisters um, on both feet no it's, it's just the right one it's something about this particular lip on the right yeah. just kind of rubbing on my Achilles as the shoe's moving even if it's like really well tightened and and sure enough this part and the left one is softer um but you know Eventually they'll be good, but who knows how long it's going to take for the actual before they actually like properly break in. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, take take a bit of vodka to it. Maybe uh, uh, put a, like a towel or some kind of material over the top and like hammer it down or something like that. Get get it really uh, you know to soften up, um, mm -hmm. and that might might help a bit. But yeah, you might need to uh, kind of work it a little bit. Yeah, and I know um, 
a lot of the like more serious shoe products like uh probably like the mink oil one i believe they use turpentine so when you like when you open up a can of certain shoe waxes and shoe polishes you get that like real hit of of smell um that's turp yeah so like they definitely are putting like alcohols and solvents in some of the like hardcore things um which i guess probably does the same thing as vodka but uh but yeah, I'm so bummed because these would be like perfect for the trip. But I just um, year and a half in, and they're still not quite broken in enough. Yeah, I'd I'd be wary of taking those. If um, what what's the total distance? Oh gosh, uh, 85 miles. Right. Okay. But uh, and how many and how many days you got to do it? I think it's over eight days. You're walking kind of 10, 15 miles a day, depending. Okay, that's not that much. It? Yeah, it's pretty civilized, and like each step along the way, you know, there'll be like a, a B and B or a hostel okay. or an inn to yeah. stay in, and you know, okay. we'll ha so we'll have, we'll have a good bed each night. We'll have a good pub dinner, yeah. um, and like yeah, you basically end up at Fort William, and then from there you can do Ben Nevis if you want, or you can do like the Harry Potter steam train up to Malague, which I've done once before. Um, so yeah, it should be good, and we're doing it kind of right before summer, so we'll avoid. Uh, the midges, which are like the little gnats that fly around and bite you. Uh, apparently in America, they're called no seums because you can't see them. Why do they always have to find another word for something? It's <laughs> cool them what they are. You guys have like five words for everything. <laughs> I, I mean, if they're different things, then yeah. No, if like the same thing, it's... it'll be like, a, oh, is it a pram, is a stroller, is a push cart, is a baby basket? Yeah, that's that, that's a regional thing though that's like buggy here in london northerners might call it a pram and he probably calls it something else <laughs> his life <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding um but yeah that'd be... is it all rough terrain like mostly no i think you're largely walking on kind of like gravel dirt trails um I don't. I don't think any of it's like paved or anything, but you're you're walking on kind of like well, like kind of like the Portugal coastal path trail. You know, it's like it's like well curated, nice trails. Um, there are, I think, some parts where you're crossing streams, uh, streams, and you know, dealing with like, you know, we, uh, wind, rainfall, that kind of stuff. So like, definitely like gotta have Gore-Tex. Um, <laughs> I'd cross streams with you guys. <laughs> What's up? I'd cross streams with you guys. <laughs> play swords <laughs> what, what movie is that in uh with uh, arnold schwarzenegger and uh, danny devito kindergarten <laughs> cop yeah yeah i know my references but uh, anyways that's it for me um gonna be interesting to see how how the hike goes i won't be wearing any rugged equipment now that these guys aren't in the loop i'll be wearing all uh synthetic taped Gore-Tex shit that eventually just falls apart. So uh, afraid I won't have any cool patina stories in like eight days on the trail. Look what I did to break this thing in. It's going to be all like, I washed my synthetics and they're great until they fall apart. Bring some jeans. Should bring some jeans. <laughs> Such a missed opportunity. I could wear jeans under waterproof hiking pants. Like I'll, I'll go... For, that actually be a cool thing to do to like do like a West Highland Way walk or something of this nature, but like do it Rudy style, where you just <laughs> just do multiple layers of denim and like 
exactly. just put ourselves through some grueling shit. Like, I don't know, walk the G20 and, and, uh, I've always Corsica. taken like both my United overalls jeans up mountains, uh, just in Red Wings. Uh, so what's the highest one in Wales? Snowden. <sighs> Maybe not Snowden. Maybe the other one. There's another mountain in Wales. Uh, and the Lake District one. I've been up that one. Um, but yeah, I, I always mountain in my jeans. If they're loose enough to sit down in, they're loose enough to climb in. <laughs> David should have a pair of at least 18 ounce jeans. <laughs> at least 18 ounce just to, yeah. go, to go on yeah. that hike. I think the hard part though is if you're carrying a backpack every day and you got to have like the hip thingy because you got to carry a bunch of shit for like eight days, even if you're sleeping nice. Um, I think that on like a pair of jeans on your hips would probably not go so well. If you wear a proper straight pair of jeans, you'd be fine. Well, no, no, it's like. (laughs) Well, actually, no, I I would challenge that. I would challenge that because a a proper rise in a pair of jeans means that the jeans would be sitting on your hips, right? Like, like hips to waist. But that's exactly where the padded back, uh, uh, padded strap of the backpack is supposed to sit. So like, it's literally perfectly lining up the weight placement from the pack on like where your belt and your jeans are so like yeah. as a prop it would be like right here is your backpack you know i wonder why um, you have, just have to have a proper rise as well <clears throat> if you have enough high high enough rise you'll be okay not not none of this uh showing off your navel or your uh your pubis bone yeah shit. <laughs> <laughs> David's still not convinced. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I mean, that actually be kind of cool if you went like all like Arctic Explorer style hike, like you know, like the guys that Nigel Caborn's always inspired by. Um, there's that actually in Cambridge. There's a uh, Ar- Arctic uh, Expedition Museum that I've never been to. Uh, polar exhibition. Polar, Polar Research and Exploration Center, or something like that. So, I should check that out. There's nothing else to do here. <laughs> yeah, that, that, don't take your jeans. Just uh, take something comfortable. Gore-Tex, it is. Until it falls ex- apart. I was expecting Ilya to finish with a loose pair of jeans. No, no, no. Um, I'll be practical and uh, advise something that's going to be comfortable to David. If it's uh, if it's a one day, if it's a one day, then I'll say you know wear, wear the jeans, it's fine. Yeah, sure. If if you're going for you know for for such a dedicated long time, then yeah, something a little bit more uh, will do the trick. Yeah, let's see how much I love it whether I'm pulling my hair out or whether it's a great experience or both. Um, so it could literally like piss down rain for like eight days straight, but there will be distilleries along the way. So get a nice dram and keep it in the, uh, pour it in the camel back and you s- sip that sucker while you're walking. It'll, it'll, it'll pass. Oh, do you know which uh, distilleries are on the way? Have you looked into that or are you just, uh, my buddy Vince has. Um, he's yeah. uh, he's the guy who runs uh, Steamboat Leather up in Colorado. Uh, okay. For mine, um, yeah. he's been doing all the the, re- the homework. 
because um, he's, he's done a lot of these kind of like long distance backpacking trips uh, and he's kind of identified a few distilleries along the way and and kind of stuff like that. So um, I need to actually sit down with his spreadsheet and kind of get get up to speed on it. But uh, there will be some. There will be some. Nice. Anyone else wants to um, discuss their current interests? Not a lot for me. Uh, obviously, been been catching up on the last of us. Great, great series. Uh, and outside my work, uh, I was playing outside with someone smoking. I don't smoke. I'm a good boy. Um, and the other person just went, "Oh, it's Pedro Pascal." What? Uh, and he just was rocking past us, uh, and we just stared in in amazement. Uh, and we were like, "No, surely that's not him." But you can tell, like, you know, he he was like the right build. You know, we saw the scraggly beard. And then he was with a woman and we checked his Instagram because obviously we had to stalk him in two seconds. Uh, and that was his wife. Uh, and he had taken pictures with other people in London. So we really got, we didn't get a picture with him, but Pedro Pascal was all of like two or three meters away from me. You should have said like, this is the way when you walk past or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know, so you, you know when you just kind of like stand there, you're just like, and then by the time like it, your brain kind of restarts again, they're off in the distance and it didn't even take the video until it was down the street. Like, starstruck. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying the episodes now. I'm, I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully in. I'm, uh, You're into it now. I'm into it now. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, it. Once I'm, I'm mildly miffed about it. So I, I, I accidentally started watching it because, um, as I said, I was like not taking any TV streaming services at the moment, and like I don't even technically have a TV. I just have this laptop. Um, but my, my internet provider is also the company that offers um, HBO in the UK, now, now TV. Um, and so I like somehow had accidentally signed myself up for now TV's streaming service. And I was like, well, shit, if I've already paid for it, I might as well at least watch Last of Us while I'm at it. But I got really upset, though, because um, episode six, without giving any spoilers away, what they allude is coming in episode seven I'm pretty sure that's stuff from the second video game. So as far as I can tell, they're going to go into Last of Us Part 2 and Season 1 of the show, because there's nine episodes. And like the little preview they show at the end, I was like, I think that's stuff in the next video game. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they've mixed a lot of stuff, and some of it you know, wasn't even in the game uh, at all anyway. So I, yeah. I think, I don't know whether they will you know multiple seasons of this um mm. i guess that depends on how popular it is that they can always write more but i i would imagine it it will be a kind of a, a one season or two season max kind of show i don't see this dragging on for you know 10 seasons um i think neil Druckmann probably wouldn't wouldn't let that happen anyway so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if if there is a little bit of overlap between the two two games, um, mm. and within the um, within the uh, series, um, so yeah, it's like you thought this was the Last of Us, but actually, those other people—they're the Last of Us. <laughs> Get ready for season two. Oh, yes. <laughs> the oh, actually, they're not the last ones either. Season three. Yeah, no, yeah, I can see them maybe doing one maybe two at a stretch um yeah it depends like kind of if they mix up the order of stuff um but also watch the first episode of the mandalorian so pedro pascal is just 
it's in all my dreams uh and and not not a lot of them very suitable for work <laughs> I, I highly recommend the saturday night live uh episode he hosted like a few weeks back there's just so many funny sketches on there um he really is in his element doing comedy stuff like highly recommend watching it he's he's a funny guy like he's even interviews and stuff and he's like they're like oh did you know you're you're such a kind of sex icon and stuff and he's like uh, uh yeah well i do read uh people's fan posts when i'm feeling sad <laughs> but of course you do daddy pedro <laughs> well actually specifically that snl episode they did a sketch where like he's a substitute teacher at a school or, or he's the principal something like that and like he's doing like an auditorium announcement to all of the school kids and they're like doing i guess what's called a thirst trap on TikTok, like while he's on stage, yeah, and sounds right. it gets like brought up on the projector, and they're like, "Oh, make sure you eat all those brownies, baby daddy." And he's like, "What? What brownies? What baby?" And they're just like, like trolling him with like these thirst trap videos, which um, are like while he's doing his his speech. It's it's really really funny, even though I don't understand TikTok, so I don't really understand what I'm watching. <laughs> all that uh, Zuma uh, terminology. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, apart from that, yeah, really not much. Um, work, working hard. And uh, yeah, how about you, Ricky? As in current interests? What did we do? Did we do you, Ricky? Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah. yeah, that's it then. Two, two is not obligatory, but it's certainly welcome if you've got something else to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no, um, not much. Yeah, not much going on other than that. Cool. I guess uh, anything else for anyone else, or should we transition to the discussion topic? Get into it. All right. Although I guess discussion topics probably a bit overselling it. <laughs> maybe, 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 uh, maybe what we should actually call this episode is WhatsApp debate turned podcast episode. Because um, <laughs> we were, I guess it. Actually, Ilya, you kick it off because you had shared the Okiyama Denim post, which was the catalyst for the conversations. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you want to frame it for us. Yeah, I saw Okiyama's Denim's um, recent post, which was a wide leg uh, trouser. They are um, now selling in the store, and I think my post kind of said something like, "Oh, you know, the wide leg is uh, really popular if someone like Okiyama Denim is." Um, selling this kind of style of um, trouser now um, because for a long time you know the higher selling jeans have always been quite a slim slim taper high taper things like that so you can really see that the the, the marketplace is changing um, across a lot of retailers um, and a lot of brands um, who are um, releasing uh, wide cuts now um, which led to a kind of a discussion between the group saying, you know, what what is a a wide cut? Was it a regular? What's a uh, a straight cut? And uh, basically, me pretty much disagreeing um, um, with uh, David, um, who thinks, you know, PBJ, for example, do a do a straight cut, and I I say it's more of a a slim cut, even they're supposed to be regular straight. Um, so that kind of gave us the idea of uh, maybe discussing uh, fits and uh, kind of maybe some of the origins and uh, what what they have they have become um, recently. 
Yeah, and w one thing that kind of came to my mind is that when we were having that debate on WhatsApp, I was thinking about the fact that like certain garments are called slim, certain garments are called regular, and certain garments are called wide. So in theory, that's like a almost like agreed upon range where it's like, ah, if your jean is this wide to this wide, it must be a slim. This to this, a regular, this to this, you know, uh, a wide, whatever. And so I was like, oh, well, regular must be in the middle. But then you guys kind of reminded me that like actually regulars in the context of what we know now today, that's regular. But at some point in time, as, as Ilya is saying, that might have been slim. Um, and so I guess part of this is like this kind of moment in time conversation that came up about like, well, w when is it that we set the rules, right? And like, I think Ricky, you might have been arguing for like a living rule set where it's like you got to look at different ones, if I remember correctly. And I think Tom and Ilya, you guys were both of the boat of like, I think 30s and 40s kind of set the rules. So maybe that's interesting to discuss. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not not sure. Like, I, I don't want to preach this. Obviously, I'm not, not uh, entitled to to any preach, girl. We're not even entitled to have a podcast, man. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Funny enough, I thought about this. I thought that um, it's a shame Lex is not here because him as a pattern cut cutter would be like much more qualified. More qualified yeah. than any of us to speak about this. And we're just amateurs who are just going to uh, give our own opinion, <laughs> uh, which is biased and uh, to suit our own agenda. Yes, that's right, Ricky. Now, when has this exactly. podcast ever been about expert opinions? <laughs> <laughs> I will have you know, I make two stars of cheese. <laughs> I am more than qualified. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who, who designed them? Um, I done the first one, actually. That was all me, although most of the paddles stolen from my sim. But <laughs> amended to my shape. But yeah, like oh, the second well, one. Yeah, fuck you. Well, that's that's a good that's a good starting point because you you mentioned shape, and so if we're talking about denim specifically, like the the, the brands that a lot of people are into, uh, some of them we know that the sizes that they choose are based on their own. So the person who makes the jeans, right? They're they're pretty much measured with their own size, with their own own um, personal measurements. Now, obviously, the industry, like the big shots in the industry, like the Levi's and the Lees of, of, of the world, they can't abide by this rule, obviously. So they have to have more generic types of fits, I would say, um, where it would not one size fits all, but one cut might suit a lot of different, you know, body shapes. Um, I would just say that whatever fits you the best if you want to feel more comfortable in a pair of jeans or not or if you've just seen someone that you really you know you saw a pair of jeans on someone that you you saw that you really appreciate that you like oh that's cool i'm gonna try that then i guess that works as well if you at the end of the day if you like seeing them but when it comes to cuts specifically i only i just look at three types of cuts it's it's either you know they're they're straight or, or sorry, two two types of uh, uh, three three types of cuts. So either loose, straight, or tapered. 
Now, people could argue there's a fourth with skinny, probably, but skinny, at the end of the day, it is a tapered cut, but it's just, you know, way more tapered than anything else. It's straight end of that. Yeah. Um, so, how, if, if that's, um, so if, if that would be, you know, the cut, then you would, you, then the fit, obviously, it, it has that, um, a slimmer fit or a looser fit, pretty much. Now, my body shape is definitely different than, hmm. uh, David's and David's different than Ilya's and stuff like that. So, it's funny, David was mentioning the different shape, uh, the, uh, where a uh, regular was never, was not necessarily a regular a few years ago, right? It depends on whoever was putting that, that on. Because if someone is used to a very skinny jean, a very tapered jean, if they're going to put in a regular straight, that's, they might feel, oh, this is a loose jean, you know, right? And for someone who's used to using straight regular jeans and they put on a loose fit a wider like pre-1940s uh jean then they'll definitely feel oh this is way bigger than i was expecting you know what i mean so i i feel there's always this struggle between the body types and the the cuts that you're looking after because it's either what you see or what the brand is selling you so there's there's definitely a lot of like vocabulary that gets, you know, uh, misconstrued there. So I don't know. I, again, not preaching. I just, at the end of the day, I feel like it's whatever fits your body the best, but I only go with those, with those three, with just a loose pair of jeans, a regular pair of jeans and a tapered pair of jeans. Loose, uh, generally speaking, is really comfortable around um, the seat and the hips, and it has a straight cut all the way down. Uh, regular, a bit more, um, a, a bit more, uh, a, a bit more uh, closer to the hips, I would say. Uh, and again, uh, straight all the way down, and then you know, uh, a tapered jean that would most likely taper from the knee down. Um, yeah, and I, I think what's what's important to preface is that you know jeans pre 30s um, or pre 40s was predominantly a, a, you know a working trouser and something you would actually wear over the top of other trousers, which is why they initially had that you know really wide cuts and that stuck for a very long time, and it was only into you know po post 40s into the 50s when jeans became a fashion item that they started to become slimmer and that's why you see post you know 50s to 60s that's when the, the big change happens um and the jeans get slimmed down because they are now being worn not not for just for work they're actually being worn as a fashion item and that's when that you know that big um if, yeah, the big change happens basically. Um, so if we're looking at that and um, like what you're saying, Ricky, what people are used to wearing, if they are, you know, they got into wearing jeans in, you know, in the 2000s and they were they were wearing skinny jeans, and all of a sudden they are presented with uh, a wide a wider cut, 
they're going to think like, what the hell is this? This is like so dramatically different. Whereas if somebody was wearing, you know, 501s and in the 80s or the 70s, you know, they will have a different uh, viewpoint of what a straight jean is going to be like. So my my point in in our chat was, you know, what what error are you looking at when you're talking about um, straight jeans? Um, because I think that really uh, uh, really matters. Um, so a lot of the repro guys and a lot of the guys who are like into more the heritage uh, jeans, they you know they look at you know World War Two for example. Um, which is a little bit slimmer than what you'd find in, you know, in the twenties and the thirties, but it's still, a, you know, a very, uh, I would call it a very straight cut. There's not much yeah. taper going on. You know, it's, it's from the knee down. It's, it's fairly straight. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What, what yeah. do you think, Tom? Yeah, I think it's, it, it definitely has been a case of fashion, whether that's high fashion or fast fashion or, you know, just society as a whole has slowly redefined what they consider as regular or straight or, you know, a normal rise, you know, because, you know, back in the kind of turn of the century up to the 50s, a, a normal rise, you know, came up to your natural waist. But, you know, the definition of what waist is now is on your hip, which they're too essentially two different measurements um you know if you ask a woman what her waist measurement is compared to her hip measurement then um probably a slap uh, <laughs> um so yeah our kind of definitions of certain things have changed over time um you, you know especially kind of working at levi's you know people will come in and say oh i want a 501 well, a 501's changed <laughs> over the last, you know, 100 or so years. Um, and that person's definition of a 501 is different to the next person's definition of a 501. But both people consider a 501 a regular straight cut, even though at times it's been tapered or it's been a higher rise or, you know, a slightly lower rise or, you know, fitted around the arse or, so, you know, these kind of definitions between everyone um, do slightly vary but I think when you come from it from a tailoring or a pattern cutting view it is okay where's it sitting on the hip or the waist you know how high is that rise uh, and you know how deep is that cut down the back you know is it skimming up your ass and giving you a bit of butt shape or is it as loose as a sack of shit <laughs> and not giving you any shape at all. Um, and then, you know, how does it fall from the waist? You know, does it balloon from the waist? Does it come out? Um, is it quite formed fitting? Does it come, you know, straight off your hips? Um, that's where I think kind of the definitions skew if depending on what words you use and, you know, what your views of what that word is um so you know one person straight cut isn't another person straight cut um so that's, that's probably just me expanding with just rough saying same things in here but um you know so i think when we took kind of you know pbj brands like that uh even like oni um i remember we had back at son of a stag only straight cut i can't remember which one it was 277 or something like that um you know if you compared it to like a tcb 50s 
it had barely any rise, <laughs> crawled up your ass like there's no tomorrow, um, just because that's what the brand was used to. But then off the hips kind of came straight. Most, you know, the people who are calling TCB 50s a, a straight regular, you know, that's not straight regular. That's almost like a slim straight. Um, you know, the definitions can jump from one place to another. Well, it's interesting. I've been I've been staring at these jeans, kind of thinking while you guys have been talking about like how could one turn this into like a data problem, and like can you like science out what's what? And I was thinking about it. It's like the closest thing that all jeans have, I guess, to like a frame of reference is the bottom of the rise, because in theory, if you're wearing the jeans where they were designed to be worn. At, at, this always is kind of in the same place and this just goes higher up your body based upon how the gene is cut right so it's either like at, at your navel it's at your hip it's at your below your hip depending on the cut right it's like the, the the front and back rise kind of if worn correctly makes the decision about how high up the gene goes in your body and the rise should in theory always be in the same place if you've got a dropped sorry the bottom of the rise if you've got like a drop bottom of the rise you're not wearing the gene in the right place so it's like all right so this is a frame of reference. I could, in theory, measure across here and get the width at the bottom rise. And I could basically say, OK, at what point does the gene start coming in? And like on these guys, which are quote unquote regular straight from Pure Blue Japan, you can see that instantly they start coming in, right? And it's like, well, maybe they're straight from the knee to the hem. But even there, technically speaking, there's actually still a little bit of taper, maybe like half an inch, such that if I put the hem at the kind of knee point, you can see roughly about half an inch on front and back, so say an inch in total. So it's like, well, these kind of taper a bit the whole way, even though they're straight. And so it's like, would you call it a straight leg if it's like straight from knee to hem? Would you call it a straight leg if it's straight from the crotch to the hem and then also beyond that you also have to figure out for who the jeans cut for did they add extra width such that the hip flares out rather than sitting against your leg because then that skews the rest of the metric and i i've kind of come to the conclusion that the way the gene looks on you is probably the best way to qualify not quantify but qualify if it's straight or not right like if when you're wearing it if it looks like it's doing this it's probably a regular straight. If it looks like it maybe kind of comes quite wide and then goes straight down, it's like a wide straight. If it tapers, but maybe kind of goes straight from the knee to the hem, then it's like a slim straight. And it's almost like there is no real science to it, maybe. I mean, you could get the numbers, but there's not like a formula, you know? Yeah. Go on, go on. Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. That's exactly what I was arguing. Sorry. I just, I was kind of like uh, replaying what I just said in my head and it sounded like a bunch of bullshit but, um, <laughs> don't we all just, like I, I'm just like thinking as I, I'm, I'm going so I don't want to ramble too much on this but that's pretty much my other point I was making so it depends a lot on the on the body shape I understand for the industry there has to be a frame of reference where then people then oh they kind of like put their minds into this kind of like segment where oh i can only wear this shape or i can only wear that shape so that's what the labels are there for but um speaking of labels that i i can see where tom is coming from as well but um i would just say like era wise 
anything before the 40s, I would probably say it's a looser fit. So I would say they they uh, it's kind of like what we discussed. So it's a loose straight fit, um, and 40s to 50s I would say regular straight, and then 50s uh, sorry and then 60s onwards. Then that's where I see things getting a bit slimmer and, and a bit more tapered. So depending then a little bit on because I remember Levi's I have a pair of LVCs 1984s that they put out right. And that is a straight jean. There's no like going around. It goes straight from my hip down. It goes literally in a in a straight in a straight line. But they're slim. Well, so, here it gets complicated though, right? Because like I'm looking at Lightning's vintage denim. Mm -hmm. I just randomly open it. It's like the 40s section, right? And like any of the jeans I'm looking at from the 40s, they do taper, even though you would have called that straight leg at the time, right? Like this is definitely not as wide as that. So it's like, all right, well, in the 40s, there was still some notion of taper, and I go... Some of that can be just due to the leg twist, though. Um, yeah. The leg twist does accentuate the tapering, and the fact that they're shrink to fit, so the upper bit could be pushing out as it shrinks, while the bottom will continue. Mm, I mean, all of these are tapered. I, I, I haven't but found a single one that doesn't have some level. I mean, it has to kind of trace the leg to a degree, right? True, but that's that's what I mean. So if you look at the 1947s, right, Levi's 47s, normally you would see them as a straight, a regular straight. I, I would see them. On my body, they fit like a regular straight, depending on the size I get and stuff, but they pretty much a regular straight. But they do taper slightly. And of course, that's where, of course, yeah. Yeah, they do taper slightly, but I'm still not going to call it a taper, but in because in yeah. my mind, Tapered is pretty much anything that goes from the knee that accentuates a bit more from the knee down, where you can visit visual visibly see the difference. Now that's for me. That for me, sorry for people who are just listening. Um, David it's just 1879. This pair, but that's like it's still technically tapers, right? Even if subtly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 and I'd say that's that's kind of what the material has done over time. Probably, you know, if you found a dead stock version of that. Probably from about the thigh down, it'd be pretty straight. No, that's like multiple inches of difference. I, I, I'd say no way. I mean, it's, I mean, it's this not, one's it's straighter. Not gonna be, it's not going to be like straight all the way down. You know, it's not just going to be like completely. It really you know. is. But yeah, wasn't yeah, that your you, argument you, though? On WhatsApp. Well, the argument is that it's you know what people are calling slim or what people call a straight is not you know really really a straight. That was kind of what we were saying, but because um, when you said, you know, the, the, do the jeans go all the way straight all the way down? I joked that, you know, apart from Jinko, nobody makes, you know, a, yeah. a, a jean that goes all the way. Yes, of course, there's going to be a little bit of taper, but it's not, it's not like aggressive taper. Yeah, because, so just, just yeah. the way you have to cut the pattern from yeah. that point on the crotch down a couple of inches you've got to have a bit of a natural shape because your legs aren't exactly it's not as wide as the at the top yeah. you know yeah. at the top of your leg then the bottom of your leg but if anything if any if your hemline i think you know if it goes smaller than you know eight inches or seven inches depending on your waist size obviously i'm a 35 so if if they go you know below a uh, eight inches it's it's becoming quite a tapered cut 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I would agree with that. Anything, anything uh, less than eight is tapered. I, I see it that way. From the jeans that I buy. And yeah, I mean, my... Well, actually, because these guys, I mean, again, it's size thing, right? Because these guys are like 8.1 or something like that, right? But I'm a 32. And so like a 32 with an 8.1 opening is still going to feel quite big. Whereas maybe for someone else, it's like a, a different size that wouldn't. But then, would never uh, still, yeah. What's that? It would never be tapered, though. This This cut? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely call it a regular straight, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think also the you know the the ratio between the knee and the, and the hem, I think matters how how tapered it is. If you if it's quite aggressive from the knee down, then that that has a yeah. taper. If it's still quite straight yeah. down, like so like that PBJ that we looked at, the difference between the knee and the hem was quite significant. You mean the one that my pair? No, no, no. The one that was on, I don't know if it, you have the same pair, but we, the one, the measurements I sent in the, in the WhatsApp chat, regular straight. It, it was a, a PBJ uh, regular straight. Ah, now that's an interesting point because PBJ regular straight, it, from knee to hem is quite subtle, but their slim straight, what they call a slim straight, interestingly tapers extremely aggressively from the bottom of the rise to the knee. But then from the knee goes straight down so that it gives the um, the impression that it's a straight cut. But like PBJ was even notoriously uh, disliked for this in their early days that they had such an aggressive taper to the knee that like people would feel like their thighs were cut off. Like, yeah, it, like thigh it, circulation. Their, their, cut, their cut would come in at the knee and then actually taper out. Yeah, even kind of sometimes, yeah, bell out a little bit like a, yeah. a subtle flare. Sorry, not taper out. Come out, come out um, a bit, yeah. So, like on on that pair, the you know the difference on the thirty two waist was a, an inch between the knee and the and the hem, which yeah. you know is if you like a straight cut, that's quite a significant difference. Well, here's something interesting. I've got my 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 magic spreadsheet of garment <laughs> measurements open, and I'm looking at a couple different jeans and comparing knee to hem. Yeah. So like Ironheart triple six, which a lot of people know, roughly half an inch difference. 634, which a lot of people also know is kind of their their most popular straight leg, about a 0.4 inch difference. Um, my PBJs that I've been holding up, it's actually close to like 0.8 inches difference between knee and hem, but they're also quite loose in the top. So it's interesting too that like sometimes a wider jean can come up wider solely because they give you some extra room in the top block. I think that's that's a big big thing. Like I can't fit into any Ironheart jeans comfortably. You know, I've tried. I think Andy has the same issue. I think he tried. You know, um, several times, and they just you know there's not enough in the top block for us because you know we've got moderately big thighs. Um, so like yeah. So I wouldn't think they are a great comparison for this kind of thing. And they're just not known for doing a, you know, a wider cut or, you know, a proper regular straight or, you know, a straight jean. They, they've got like their own, you know, um, style, which is, you know, their lane and what they do. Um, 
so yeah i mean you you know your your body shape is 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 a lot uh is is more slim compared to andy and myself so you know you can get into those carts easier so for you that you know that pbj straight kind of works because you know you just have the body shape for it and for you yeah it is a it is a straight whereas if i put that on i'm gonna look it's, it's gonna look quite slim on me yeah yeah it's interesting too because like though i can wear a lot of jeans because of my my the fact that i'm slim the fact that i'm six foot two conversely rolls out rules out a lot of jeans right because a lot of jeans just don't give me enough rise because they're not made for like a tall lanky uh, american dude they're made for like a shorter japanese guy um and so a lot of like really cool brands it's like unless it's got like these days at least at least 11 inches realistically 12 inches in the front rise um i probably just have to have to put it back on the shelf and, and also um i don't i don't taper a lot as a person right my thighs and my calves aren't that different i, I don't go like this like some people so something like rgt carl puts like a really strong taper and a lot of rgt stuff it feels like it's kind of like cellophane to my calves even if I've got enough room in the waist and the top block, I guess maybe Carl is more or something like that. Yeah, I think yeah. He, he's he's definitely looks like a more uh, smaller body shape and more slender, and and it works for him because he you know he cuts everything to his his shape, so you know he's wearing it and it has to fit him first. So yeah, again, it doesn't translate into uh, into the um, into the bigger sizes. Um, whereas other, yeah. 32, a 12 and a half front rise, just to give a comparison. That's, yeah. Roomy. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah actually, it's like most of my regular straights on my spreadsheet are around 11 and a half, so really not even necessarily 12 in all cases. And do, do you feel like looking back at your some of your older jeans that you, you, know, you purchased uh, years ago, do you think that rise is still something that's appealing for you or do you think now you know the more that you've you've worn you now want a bigger rise or are you kind of i've sold almost any pair of jeans i have that aren't either like a boot cut or a regular straight like my my free note wilks are probably the slimmest jeans i own these days but they're like a cowboy cut so they've got like yeah. 12 inch rise or something even though they're not that loose, so they're they sit very high, which makes them compatible. But like any of my 316s and RGTs and like all the other stuff, I, I've I've mostly sold. And yesterday I was going through some of my chinos because I'm I'm trying to sell a lot of shit. Um, although buying other things, it's not not necessarily <laughs> something I could preach about. But um, I was going through all of my like chinos and stuff, and I've got a couple of chinos that I would call tapered. And interestingly, it actually wasn't the rise or the top block that bothered me but it's that that calf thing where like for being a size 32 guy maybe playing soccer when i was a kid or maybe just the fact that i never developed like super huge thigh muscles or, or you know a big booty basically means that anything that's a 32 prop that's tapered probably has too much taper below the knee and so a lot of those old chinos it felt like they were like clinging to me and it was kind of creepy feeling um so like i was like ooh. I used to love these RGTs, but like now they feel like they're like onto my calves and like it kind of creeps me out. And also I got used to like the silhouette of a regular straight and how it falls on a pair of trousers. 
and it makes you look more balanced, right? Because you don't look like a carrot that kind of gets really spindly at the bottom. It's like it's straight, so you look you look more sturdy. Um, and so also I feel weird if I'm like with like big old shoes coming out, you know, like Ronald McDonald or something. Well, especially if you've got quite big uh, size feet as well. If you're like six two and you're wearing a size ten or eleven, yeah. Slightly, and and then you've got that you know really skinny leg or with a or with a aggressive taper, and then those big boots, then it looks it looks odd. And the thing that in, sold in, me in on opinion. it, the thing that sold me on it, I remember when I bought those Tanukis, and I, I remember I was asking your opinion, Ilya, about and you guys about what they looked like when I first bought them a few years ago, and it dawned on me I was like shit. You know, if I look at like my shirts, I mean, most of them, some a bit, but most of them don't like onto your forearms. They're kind of like a similar silhouette all the way down. They kind of follow you the shape of your arm a bit. So there will be a little bit of taper as it gets closer to your wrist. But like, it's not the case that they're like, this shirt's baggy, you know, like super tight. And I was like, well, shit, if my shirts aren't tapering really why should my trousers be tapering? You know, if I'm going to wear, you know, like skinny jeans, let's say I should be wearing like running tops that are like skin tight, you know, <laughs> to, to match it. Or, or if I'm wearing more relaxed upper top clothing, then, well, then my jeans need to be a bit more relaxed as well. So kind of like to have that balance. Um, and yeah, even I now, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. Carry on, carry on. You're talking. Yeah, I was say even now, if I if I if I've got like a slimmer jacket or a looser jacket, I'll usually try and make sure I wear a relatively slimmer jean or looser jean, such that it looks kind of balanced top and bottom. Yeah, I was just going to echo that and say it's. I think it's quite important to balance out the uh, the top and bottom of your body uh, with what you're wearing because it does, you know, the way it looks, it really helps. Um, and especially depending on 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 your height, on your you know whether you're slim or wide or you know wh- whatever it is, it definitely helps to uh, make sure that you're uh, you're balanced out on both on both ends. One thing I wanted to bring up as part of this co- conversation, and I won't mention names because I don't want to like convey any of them in a negative light, but a shop I like had sent me an email newsletter, and I was kind of looking through some of their stuff. And, and I wonder what it must be like for these shops that have a lot of product in a particular cut and have really invested in a particular fit. And knowing that that like, as you alluded to in the, in the WhatsApp, Ilya, that like tapered fits might be on the way out and like straight leg and loose leg on the way in. I wonder how you navigate that as a retailer effectively. Well, I, th- I think you just slowly add those options. Uh, the wider options, the, you know, the straighter options, wh- whatever you're missing, um, and to see whether there is a you know demand from your customer that is actually asking for it. They might not be asking, you know, they might have their their customers might be really happy with uh, you know the high tapered cuts that they're uh, they've been buying and they're not looking to change. Um, obviously, they're going to add those as they see things change around. Um, others might, you know, might not, might might just stick to what they're doing because you know they've been successful for a number of years and and they don't need to change. If they have their identity, which is very strong, like someone like Ironheart, you know, they've got a really strong identity. I don't think they need to worry about oh, we need to bring out a you know a really heritage wide cut. It it it's 
it would work, but it's not something I think that, you know, if they don't do, they're going to go broke or out of business. Um, so, but if you're, if you're a multi-brand retailer, then yeah, you're, you're going to probably be looking at diversifying your range and adding some, you know, wider cuts just to test the market, test the audience. Um, you know, and especially if people are contacting them and saying, oh, like, have you got this or have you got that? Then, you know, they're going to, they're going to, if, if they're a good business, they're going to react and uh, bring those options uh, to their lineup. So I think it's, you know, they, I'm, I'm sure a lot of these businesses are looking at it and, and, and seeing what's going on and, and they won't be, uh, you know, blind to these things. And if they are, then, you know, they'll, uh, they'll soon find out. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It, it brings me back, I guess, to our episode on the kind of denim archetypes, right? Where like if you're a brand and you design your brand for a denim archetype, you know, like RGT is kind of for like the skater who grew up, you know, Ironheart, with the exception of like the stuff that Giles designed is for like the kind of motorcycle rider. You know, you, you've, you've kind of got these different like archetypes. And I guess, yeah, you're right that a brand will probably, a, a brand who makes jeans would probably stick to their archetype relatively speaking and then yeah i guess if you're a shop you're just thinking about kind of like your your sales metrics and like what's what's getting sold out what's getting left on the shelves and and adjusting your buy each season anything that we think that we've missed out or like to add i think I think something that'd be good to hear from each of you guys is like, what do you think is the ideal cut? Either an aesthetic that like, it's like, oh, any gene that looks like X is my ideal or a specific brand and model or brand and fit that you think's like the best or, or your favorite, your favorite. Okay, I'll go first. I think the ED2 jeans. <laughs> <laughs> is ED the name of the, the company? Uh, you know, I was about to say by uh, really look known brand. <laughs> you stumbled there. <laughs> definitely, definitely the owner's Asian. Uh, <laughs> I, was about, I can't see that the comment. English now. name, really weird guy. Yeah, don't know how we got that. Uh, no, I mean, I I would say kind of my kind of perfect fit would be a little bit roomy on the rise, uh, maybe not too high, but you know mid mid to mid high. Um, so you know 11 and three quarters 12 something like that um a little bit ruining around the bum so you can move around um and then straight off the hips maybe with a tiny tiny bit of shape to them um really subtle amount of shape but still kind of wide enough for the bottom to wear boots um so yeah that's that would be my my go-to i think um which is usually kind of ticked by like that kind of 50s style mostly for most brands I'm on board with Tom pretty much. That's that's the fit. that's what fits me best, I would say. I've experimented a bit with different cuts and stuff. <clears throat> Previously a bit more tapered, but always roomy and on the on the seat and a little bit on the thighs as well. But yeah, as soon as the tie the tie the thighs, sorry, the thighs are brought in a bit, then some they just look a bit weird on, on me. So I would go definitely with that. Uh, speaking but, of which, 
I'd say if you're like a, a slim to skinny guy, um, you know, taper up a little bit more. You know, still have a little bit yeah. of room on the top block. Taper up because it, it's, it's funny actually. Since I've been wearing my new loose jeans, white boys. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like you're saying white boys. Just I, so I know. know every time, every time. If you say white duh boys, then <laughs> well, actually that still sounds kind of like white boys. White <laughs> boys. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Could edit that out. <laughs> I don't think I break down the whiteness a little bit. Uh, well, I haven't been on holiday. Look, the lighting's really bad as well for this game. Um, it, yeah, like since I've been wearing my wider cut, people at work who know me are like, oh, we don't like you in that. Like, that doesn't suit you at all. But because, you know, I had a, a fairly tapered cut before that. Um, so, you know, one depends on who's looking at you. <laughs> if you've got a significant other who doesn't like you in wide cuts, then you won't be wearing wide cuts. Um, and to you know, depends what what shape or form you are. Ilya. Um. So I mean, my last few pairs have all kind of uh, qualified for this. Um, and I agree with Tom's description. That's basically what I'm looking for. I want a you know, quite a high rise actually, just below my belly belly button probably, and something a little bit higher on 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 the back rise. Um, I like tucking my shirts in. I you know on I'm on on the bike. Um, I want to have that coverage. I want to have that comfort. I want to easily lift my leg over the bike, so on. You know, without having any restrictions. Um, so the TCB 40s was for me. You know, a favourite cut, and I've you know wore those for for a year, and I, I really loved it because it's it's really balanced. Um, I I think having worn them after a year, I kind of wished I had a little bit, maybe a little bit more room in the leg, um, which I then found through the Black Horse Lane jeans, the C ones, which are you know really wide. Um, and they've been really, really, really comfortable. I, I really like that. Um, what else? Um, I think a warehouse, warehouse always do a great straight, um, straight and and looser cut. So they're like the S1000, which is like a 40s repro cut, is is really great. Um, so I think those would be kind of my options um to go for but yeah i i want a high rise i want you know plenty of uh, thigh room and then you know a, a fairly straight uh leg down um so i can wear big you know big boots without you know them kind of suffocating the boot shaft <laughs> gotta air it out gotta air it out yeah yeah speaking of boot shaft it's funny how I was Go on, go on. Let's let's hear it. No, I was just thinking that how obviously military, um, uh, the military garments influence always pretty much everything, right? Anything military yep. influences everything. Um, and it's funny how I just realized this that like I remember in my my you know late teens and the in the in the late nineties I would wear my um you know, my, my, my probably like eight to 12 inch, uh, boots with my jeans sometimes in the boot as military would, would do it. But yep. then 
if you see th even throughout military, like World War II, they're not. I don't. I, let me think. Maybe World War II. They're not using it in the boot, but they're using it over it, and with a wider leg. So it, it's it's both. I because I, in my head I was like, yeah, before I used more tapered so I could see more the shaft of the boot, but now I'm using them a bit straighter, but I still see the shaft of the boot because it's just how I hem them. Um, but it just has that space, which is a bit more free flow, which I appreciate it as well. So it, I, think I just right. realized how it still is influenced by military, you know, in every single way, pretty much. I think there's a real kind of change in kind of the way military wear was used after like Vietnam or during Vietnam. So it was a totally kind of different combat arena. Um, and you saw kind of, you know, fatigues were a lot slimmer, maybe tucked into jungle boots. So, yeah, maybe that's where that kind of difference. Probably from practical reasons as well. They're probably one yeah, that yeah. be keeping mosquitoes out, keeping dirt out, you know, so on and so on. Um, so, yeah, it kind of exactly those those kind of things. It's it's it's, you know, with, with when you're talking about the military, it's all about function. It's all about, you know, mm -hmm. doing things that are going to help um uh, yourself out in the field um and obviously that influences what people do um when they're wearing um their styles kind of Only andy on, the, on the street yeah and yeah andy would have given us a very comprehensive answer all, about this great zero of them all <laughs> we should just do like an uncle andy segment where he like talks about military history and stuff like that and kind of relates it back to our uh our our uh our interests yeah but but then when you look at uniform you know more military uniform it would have had like a straight cut you know again depending on the eras um if you look at you know chinos you'd have really really wide cuts in the 40s um yeah. and then the, and then the british army you know they would have very straight uh trouser cuts as well so yeah very different between kind of british and american american was just workwear but just converted into army uniforms essentially um you know they'd get any old factory from lee and all that lot making uniforms just sew up a chore jacket stick it on a, a u.s marine and they're good to go while british you know was almost kind of a high form of tailoring uh, with a lot of their jackets you know up to the belly button with the trousers and, and very different climates yeah and you, ha you had a lot of sports brands also being contracted to make clothes for the military as well so they they would have you know used what they had on on hand um to you know to make uniforms uh based on you know what they kind of knew yeah and what they think, would, and what they think they would have applied for it yeah i don't think it's a a different environments because you know obviously america and europe uh britain in europe um it's more the british have a pompous sense of dress when it comes to uniforms which maybe the americans don't have due to our history and america's lack thereof um another big thing too is like the whole history of you know woolen garments and the in the woolen fabric trade in in the uk and you know tailoring history and stuff like that where it's just sort of more commonplace uh aspects of your culture yeah i guess you know that the time generals would have been around during world war one and world war two uh, some of them probably would have been fighting as redcoats. So, you know, they've still got that dress sense that, that it lingers on. Because um, I think we only changed to kind of khakis in 
1880, 1890, something like that, kind of during the Burl War. We changed that kind of olive drab, uh, green wool kind of look. Uh, but even still, you know, that's all kind of highly tailored, and, um, you know, suspenders underneath and all that lot. So, um, yeah. And, and wasn't it like either World War One or World War Two, where a lot of the like British military leaders were basically members of very wealthy families, right? So like all of the like nobility in the country, they were like going and fighting in, in, in the wars. And so they obviously had to look good because they're from very rich families, but they're like on the front of the trenches, you know? I mean, that's every war. <laughs> really? Uh, just go to any kind of officer academy. Um, a bunch of rich bum boys. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we've got another episode topic here uh, yeah. developing. <laughs> homosexuality in the British armed forces. And no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've we've uh, diverged onto a completely different topic here. <laughs> yeah, um, I never got to mention my my ideal cut, although I kind of alluded to it earlier. But I'll mention it anyways. I think actually, um, a few brands are kind of exemplifying the gene I like best. So I would say uh, PBJ's uh, regular straight. Um, Tanuki actually is maybe even my favorite, the Tanuki regular straight, because it's kind of a modernized regular straight, so it really fits well. And then, though I don't own a pair, I would say probably Ironheart's uh, 634. Um, and all across all of these, what I think matters is that they kind of do hug the hips. Like, for me, that's a really big thing. I hate being able to pinch fabric, like, at my hips, because, like, I don't want to be made any wider than I already am. I'm skinny and I'm tall, and, like, that. that's fine. So I like a clean drape from the hips downwards uh that looks straight even if it is a little bit tapered but i would so I, I can't sorry david so you're not looking for shape you want to have the more straight no uh, it's it's more like i don't want it to it's... like i don't want it to like come out at all it like needs to sit okay. against me in the hips yeah. and then kind of drape down from the hips maybe a little tapered to the knees but like the last thing i want is to feel like i've got Bunches of fabric. They, on the David's side. hips don't lie. <laughs> like, like like parachute pants. I don't want to. I don't. I don't ever want to feel like I'm wearing parachute pants. Um, I still hope. I still hope you 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 embrace your heritage, man, and show up and you know. One day. The, yeah, one day. So like, embrace your Texas heritage, <laughs> coming in with cowboy boots. You know. And well, I'm wearing a Western jean now. I had cowboy boots, but they don't fit me anymore. I've got a, a Stetson in storage. Uh, and I've got a I've got a big Longhorn belt buckle. Um, alluding to a future episode, maybe at some point I should get uh, yeah. uh, Sierra and South uh, Matt to to make a hat for me. Do it, man! Big old ten gallon hat, man. It's beautiful. I love mine. I reckon it might be nice. But uh, neon. <laughs> Shit, no, oh, black, black. It's got to be black. It's got to be black. Black with with yeah. a neon band. Maybe hidden <laughs> on the inside, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to have one of those, man. A, bl- a black one, black on black, really cool. I'd probably want more like a a, a roadmaster type hat, something a little bit more dialed down than like a proper cowboy hat. Like a fedora, almost. No, it's um, it's a Stetson, but it's like a little bit more dialed down. Um, how do you how do you describe them? It's is that open road? Uh, well, the Roadmaster, I thought that's what it's called. It's similar to the Open Road, maybe even the same thing. Just trying to Google. 
worried most of. I mean, I'll be honest. I know very little about Hat, so it's yeah. The open the open road kind of meets the same. There's a there's a roadster. Yeah, I mean they all they all. I mean you can tell how much I know about hats. They all look kind of the same to me. Um, yeah, Stetson Open Road, Roadmaster. They all kind of meet the same need. Yeah, I think um, it's fedora. they look fedora size almost. Like the. I'd, I'd rock one of those. I've got pictures of me and my cowboy, my, all my cowboy kit somewhere. <laughs> I think that should be a future um, Sons of Salvage um, post on the on the Instagram feed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Same, same. I don't have any pictures where I had my huge ass handlebar mustache at the same time as wearing all of my mm. cowboy kit. That would have been cool, but uh, maybe that's a future. Be getting uh, all sorts of attention. Probably not the kind that you want. Man, at this point in life, I'll take any attention. <laughs> Life's a bit lonely these days, but hey. Experimenting, are we? You heard it here first. <laughs> not, not literally, no, but you know. <laughs> it's it's a, bit, a bit of hyperbole, but you know. Okay. I'll come wearing okay. like, like a horse silicon head. <laughs> no, no judgment here, David. It's it's all. <laughs> no, no, I, I jest, I jest. Um. I just pictured, the, you know, everyone showing up in Austin, you there, with a completely different David, with a giant hat, with a, with a belt buckle, with the whole thing going on. And we turn up, and you just look at your friends and go like, oh, these Europeans, you know. You know, to be honest, like, people there dressed exactly like we do. Uh, actually, <laughs> they, they, Americans just generally dress less well than Brits. Like, like style is a little bit less of an important thing on average. Um, you know, a lot more t-shirts, a lot more kind of like cargo shorts. And, yeah, more comfort um, and less kind of like looking good. But also it's just so freaking hot. You kind of have to, you kind of have to dress, uh, dress cooler. But um, no, I mean, the Austin style really is kind of like rocker with a bit of Western mixed in. So like, rocker style with a pair of cowboy boots or like rocker with like a cowboy hat so it's definitely this kind of like almost a little bit like what you like you know rockabilly um honky tonk i actually went to a bar at christmas that's like a straight up like honky tonk style rock bar so it's like rock and roll country music like it, it was cool it was really cool um it's called the white horse no correlation to david bowie but um yeah Anyways, uh, it's cool. I'm just trying to find this picture, but I'm probably not going to find it of my handlebar mustache. Um, yep. No one save cares. It. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> save it. Save it. Save it for the feed. Save it for oh, the feed. God. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Yeah, I guess I will. I will. Cool. Well, I guess uh, any final thoughts? Any any anything else, or should we uh, maybe uh, call it? I think we think we covered fits quite well. Yeah. Good job, guys. We don't. All right. This. So <laughs> on that note, uh, thanks everybody again for listening to the 25th. Wow, that's amazing episode of the Sons of Selfish podcast. Well, well done, guys. Uh, <laughs> like us, uh, follow us, review us anywhere you get your podcast content, including on our YouTube channel, which is great because you can actually see our our beautiful mugs in person, kind of. Um, 
And lastly, if you want to get in touch with any questions or future episodes, uh, message us on Instagram or uh, holler if you want to hang out on our Discord. And on that note, I'll stop the recording. Mm.